Hi. Hi. Uh, my name is Blake, and I am the Director of Communications, which I feel like raises the bar big time for my ability <laughs> to communicate to you tonight. Uh, so usually I just like to look at it as, I just do duties as assigned. Whatever my job is, wherever I'm at, it's just duties as assigned. If you take that kind of posture, it'll be easy going for you, I promise. Well, who all was at the barbecue today? Raise your hand. You'll find I ask a lot of yes or no questions, because I like participation. Uh, who likes delicious Memphis-style barbecue sauce? Yeah? Who likes disgusting mustard-based sauce? That's too, that's too many of you. It's all right. We'll have prayer at the end of the service for everyone that likes mustard-based sauces. Jonathan said this morning, magic happens on this side of the black line. So there is redemption. Uh, I thought the barbecue was great. It was a great end to a really busy weekend. We took our kids to the pumpkin patch yesterday, which is always uh, very fun and very expensive. We did all the things our kids did the hayride, they did zip line, we did the corn maze. One of our kids got lost in the corn maze. Uh, that was very infuriating for us. Um, they swung on ropes into hay piles. Uh, we had corn dipped in butter. Uh, it was a great day. Uh, probably my favorite thing from yesterday is one of our, one of our kids. We have, uh, we have three boys. We have a seven-year-old and we have two five-year-old twins. And one of the twins wanted to play a rhyming game. And so we always encourage rhyming games because it's educational and we get to learn. And so usually like we'll give them a word and then they come up with a rhyming word or they'll give us a word and we have to come up with a rhyming word. So uh, one of our five-year-olds, Jack, says he wants to play a rhyming game. We say, great, go for it. And so he led with mayonnaise. Uh, and he won. So that's, that's what I'm up against at home. <laughs> uh, so welcome to Sunday night services, right? These are obviously different than Sunday morning, right? It's not the same service as Sunday morning. And so in our Sunday night services, we're currently in a Rama series, right? We're in this series indefinitely. And so Rama is a Greek word that uh, literally means an utterance or a thing said. And so this is a series where we're looking at the things that God's saying to us. And we look at the, the word of God, there's two words. There's the logos, which is the written word of God. And then there's rhema, which is the spoken word of God. So every Sunday night, whoever's speaking, what they're going to be speaking on is what's the thing that God is currently saying to them? Right? What's the fresh thing that God's bringing out of the scriptures? What are the things that that person's currently walking through and walking out and learning? Which is really great, because it means every week we're going to get something really authentic. Yeah. And God's speaking to all of us. He's speaking to you, speaking to me. And that's something that we can celebrate because we're all in different places, going around, going up the mountain. And everything that God's speaking to all of us and revealing to all of us is different than what he's revealing to anybody else because of where you are. Your perspective's different and your angles are different. And so the things that God reveals to you, I can celebrate those things because those are things that are shaping you more into the image of God. Right? And the things that he's revealing to me, they're things you can celebrate because... They're shaping me onto the image of God, right? And we're a family. 
Right, but the things that he reveals to you, I can learn from those things because then as you move around the mountain and we come across again, you get to carry those things with you. So then I get the benefit of what God's shown you. You get the benefit of what God's been showing me. So these Sunday night service are really great because it's just a practical way that we're looking at what are the things that God's showing us, right? How can we celebrate us moving into the image of God and how can we grow from it? But tonight you're stuck with me and what the Lord's been speaking to me. So earlier this year, uh, I had a day off, and I had the bright idea that I was going to hike to the top of Table Rock. Yeah? Who's, who's hiked the top of Table Rock? You don't count, Mike. I'm looking for average people that have hiked to the top of Table Rock. Right. So I don't do anything without researching it. So I looked up about Table Rock, I looked on their website, looked at all the different trails, all the trails have different ratings, right? There's easy trails, moderate trails, right? But I wanted to go to the top, go big or go home. So the trail to the top is rated very strenuous. But I thought we're in South Carolina, you know? It's not, we're not in Nepal, this isn't the Andes. So I'm assuming very strenuous needs to be relative to the geographic location you're in. And so in my mind, very strenuous in South Carolina is like, well, there might be some inclines, maybe some ups and downs, but it's not like I'm going to be free climbing something where I need ropes and harnesses and helmets and, and gear. So I say like, well, let's go for it. Uh, so the first thing you have to do, right, I needed to get supplies ready, which is going to be like a, a one day trip. So I don't need a ton of stuff, but like basic things I need to be dressed right, food, water, et cetera. So I had plenty of water. I had a handy water backpack with a nifty straw that comes up because holding a bottle of water is for losers. Uh, I had three liters of water, which is a lot of water. Maybe I'm going to die at the top of the mountain, but if I do, I'm going out hydrated. Uh, And I had sandwiches. Now, Jonathan, where are you at, Jonathan? Here you are. Jonathan's a big sandwich guy. Uh, I had peanut butter and honey on white bread. Two of them. Now, I think when Jonathan makes sandwiches, he does fancier sandwiches, right? Something artisanal, something aged, something mixed in with mayo. I don't know. But these are, like, Jonathan makes executive sandwiches. Yeah, so these are the sandwiches you eat on your way to a budget meeting. But I wasn't going to a budget meeting, right? I was going to New Frontiers. I was going to take on the world. And so I needed a working man sandwich. Yeah, this is the kind of sandwich you eat if you're going to go save people from a burning building. Right? You eat peanut butter and honey in the fire truck on the way to save people's lives. And it keeps well in a backpack, right? Because it's flat. And the more it gets squished, the more it stays together. Because everything in it's sticky. And honey keeps the bears away. Or attracts them, I don't know. I'll say this, I didn't see any bears. So... Who's right now? <laughs> okay, so I had food, I had water, I had appropriate clothing, which for me just looks like tennis shoes, uh, shorts, a t-shirt, and a light jacket, because who knows, might get chilly up there. Uh, I had sunscreen, which I didn't use, um, and I got sunburned, which happens really easily for me. I can get sunburned indoors. Um, now, my wife does not get sunburned. My wife has incredible olive skin. Uh, I'm more tomato skinned. So 
I don't know if tomato skin's a thing. If it is, it's a bad thing, and I have it. So I didn't use my sunscreen, got sunburned. I also had a hat, didn't wear the hat. Would have helped with the sunburn. But there you go. Uh, The only thing that I didn't have was good knees or a good back. I have knees in the back. They're just, they're done for. But I knew going into that, so I was like, I mean, and I had a lot of conversations with my wife. Is this going to be a problem? Like, a lot of times on Sundays, I can't stand when I get home because my back's done and my knees are done, and I'm going to go try to walk up a mountain, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to go walk up this mountain, and well, we'll see. We'll go for it. Uh, so I set off, had all my stuff, got to the park. You have to get to the trailhead. You have to check in, which basically is, this is the car I drive. It's here in the parking lot. Here's the time I think I'll be back. So if I'm not back by then and my car's still there, you're going to know something's wrong. Uh, so I do that. I guesstimate as well as I can how long it's going to take me to get to the top and get back down or get to where I'm going to give up and then make my way back down. Um, and I set off, right? And the trail starts off really great. It's what I expected for South Carolina, very strenuous. There were some beautiful waterfalls. There are some nice creek crossings, right? There are a lot of other people walking in that part. So at that point, it's all finger guns and high fives and <laughs> what's up, guys? And this is a beautiful day. Uh, and then I get to the, the rocks that are supposed to be steps. Yeah? If you've hiked up Table Rock, you know what I'm talking about. There's, so they look natural. There's rocks made to be stairs that you just basically walk up. Only it feels like the person that installed them had the directions upside down. Because an efficient stair has a moderate rise and a decent enough run so that it's very efficient and effective as you're going up. These stairs are going the other way. So they're like this tall, right? And they're about this wide. So I can fit a couple of toes on each stair as I'm trying to free climb my way up Table Rock. Chad would say that these rocks were the size of a Honda, right? If he was here, to put it in that language. But I'm looking for rocks the size of a Chipotle burrito. So I continue along, uh, free climbing up these stairs of Table Rock, and I finally get to the ridge line. And at this point, I feel like I've made it pretty well. All right, the ridge line, everything evens out. There's no more rocks, the trails kind of undulates a little. And from the parking lot, when you look up at Table Rock, when you see the ridge line, everything looks like it is pretty much that. So I feel like I'm in the clear. This is the point when the trail is lying to me. Yeah? Because I am. Now I'm like, I've made it so I can just bebop along. Now it's back to finger guns, high fives, like cool Patagonia hat bro. Like we're doing this. I'm going to the top. And then I get to what looks like a sheer vertical rock wall. So I start looking around wondering where, where have I missed the trail? Right? Cause surely this is not what I saw from the parking lot. Parking lot, this is an easy walk up. Then I notice there's little, little cuts in the rock that are supposed to be where my feet go. And nobody's feet fit in that. Like child's feet can't fit in that. So I do climb up that, right? Sweating bullets, I make it, uh, long story short, I make it to the top. All right. Thank you. I took pictures of myself at the summit because pics or it didn't happen. 
Uh, I don't have them tonight, so I'll let my yes be yes. Uh, ate my peanut butter and honey sandwiches. They were delicious. Uh, one of the most fun things at the top, because you were already high up, there were a bunch of hawks circling, but I was at eye level with them because I was up there too, and they were out over the thing, and they were just kind of like cruising around. They were really great. I was hoping the Lord would do something where one of them would just come like land by me, and we could have some interaction. It didn't happen, but I just watched them, and they were incredible. Uh, going down was harder than going up. I didn't see that one coming. And it was like cliff diving, but there was no water. It was down every, every six-foot step. And my knees hated me more and more the closer I got to the bottom. Uh, my hands were swelling. Thankfully, I'd already taken my wedding ring off. Otherwise, it probably wouldn't have gotten off. Um, but I made it back to my car. I made it home. And now here I am tonight, six months later. <laughs> so who in here has done something you have n- no business doing? Like me. Yeah, don't be, don't be ashamed. It's a safe place. Because right, we all do things that we have no business doing. We've all tried to do things we have no business doing. Who, uh, who in here has ever been called by God to do something you have no business doing? If your hand's not up, it'll be up at some point. You just haven't gotten there yet? Uh, in college, one of my favorite Bible verses was Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Right? I think we have, we have that, actually. Yeah, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. All right, this is a great crossroads in life Bible verse. Because right, what am I going to do? What am I going to get a job at? What am I going to major in? Who am I going to marry? What credit card should I get? Because every credit card company is throwing cards at me when I'm in college. Should I rent a house, rent an apartment, buy a house, have roommates, not have roommates? Uh, this was the time that I transferred out of my parents' health insurance. Right, terrible decision. But it's really comforting in the midst of opportunities that I have to decide my way through and I don't know what to do to know that God has a plan for me and that his plan is to prosper me, not to harm me. Right? And I think we all love that idea that God has a plan for us and his plan is not to harm us. Right? And we all love Jeremiah 29, 11, right up until the point that he reveals his plans for us. Yeah? Because in a lot of it, I'm looking at, I'm making a lot of decisions on what I'm going to do. And I'm viewing Jeremiah 29, 11 as the Lord's going to back me up. Right? Which is the opposite. It's really the Lord's deciding things for me to do and I'm supposed to be backing him up. Uh, if we back up to um, verse 10, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. All right, that was part of the plan that verse 11 talks about. That's a terrible plan. Go be exiled for a lifetime. 
then I'll come get you. That's not something to celebrate, is it? I mean, this is the point when the Lord reveals this plan, you start going, whoa, 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 God. I need to start seeking wise counsel. I need to ask a community of believers. There's a spirit of confusion. Right, the enemy keeps pounding me with these wrong ideas. Right, you quickly go from here I am, send me to whoa, 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 let's slow down. Let's slow down a minute, God. So who are my dessert people? Right, raise your hand. Dessert people. I'm not a dessert guy. Uh, my view of dessert is if you're still hungry for dessert, you didn't eat enough dinner. Right? Amen? Amen. We can go home for the night. <laughs> uh, my wife is a dessert person. Uh, two of my children are dessert people. One of them is off the charts. But if you ask any of our kids, you know, everything that we cook at home is awful. Right? All we eat at home is casseroles and sadness. And they'll endure it, right? They'll, they'll, they'll endure it at the hopes of getting something good. But a lifetime of exile at the dinner table sometimes is just too much for them. Uh, do you know what our kids would want if we would let them pick whatever they would eat? Snack. All our kids want is snack. So one day, this was a few years back, I took our oldest, who was like two or three at the time, we're going to go to Chick-fil-A for lunch, just me and him. Right, and he was little, so going to lunch meant he would eat a couple of nuggets, maybe, and then play a whole bunch, which is a win. Because anytime I can get my children to spend more energy than they consume, <laughs> that means we're leading into daddy time later. Right? Because I've got to get that energy back somehow, and if it's not from food, it's going to be going to bed. So we're going to Chick-fil-A. He eats a couple of nuggets. He plays a bunch in the playground. I'm having a great time. He's having a great time. He loves dessert. He didn't eat enough of his food, so he's not going to get dessert. But he's got his eye. It's on a prize. Right? And he's a toddler. And so toddler, he's like, that's wrong. Toddlers are fast. Right? Not only are they fast, they're wobbly. And so you can't read a toddler. Right? You can try to watch their hips and their shoulders to see which way they're going, and it doesn't matter. You can't tell where they're going. <laughs> and so he takes off. So I'm going after him. And, you know, it's like it's a sea of tables because it's in the restaurant. So he's up ahead of me. He goes left. He's a few tables ahead of me. So I go left to head him off. Only problem was he didn't go left. He wobbled. <laughs> I'm over here, right? He was back here. He goes straight. Because his prize was straight. And his prize was a milkshake that another guest had at their table. Yeah, so not only are toddlers uh, fast and wobbly, they're also cute. Right, so that means they're disarming. So this lady has no idea what's coming at her. She's just looking at the cute little boy that's wobbly. I'm on the other side of the restaurant trying to catch up to them. By the time I get up there, he's within arm's reach, and he grabs that cherry right off the top of her milkshake 
and pops it in his mouth. So I got up there and asked if she had any idea where that kid's parent was. And I kind of shook my head in disbelief and took him like I was going to go help him find his parent and, and we got out of there. Said, so, do we believe that good things are coming, though, from God? And the real important question is, do we not only believe they're coming, but do we believe them enough to not only tolerate his plans for us, but to savor his plans? Right, we call Jesus Lord. And so in theory, by us calling him Lord, it means that we believe that he has power and authority over us. Right? And he's the one to whom obedience is due. Practically, though, he's an advisor a lot of the time. We call him Lord, but we treat him as an advisor. Right? He gives me an assignment. He places a calling on my life, and then I weigh it against all my other options, make some pros and cons lists, right? I seek wise counsel. I look at where it fits within my skill set. I may question his sovereignty. And then a lot of times I bow out. Right? When he gives us an assignment, we're quick to look at how qualified we are to do it. Right? And when we do this, his anger burns against us. Let's look at uh, Exodus 3, starting in verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, quick fast forward to get us up to now. Um, Pharaoh was threatened by the Israelites, so he orders that all the boys are supposed to be thrown into the Nile and killed. Moses' mother saves him, hides him until she can't hide him anymore, puts him in a basket in the Nile. He goes on the Nile. Pharaoh's daughter finds him, has compassion on him, takes Moses in, raises Moses in the palace. Moses grows up, sees an Egyptian beating on an Israelite, Moses kills the Egyptian, buries him in the sand. Pharaoh finds out about it, tries to kill Moses. Moses flees from Pharaoh and goes to Midian, which brings us to verse 2. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, like you do, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, 
a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites have reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Right, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. For I know the plans I have for you, Moses, says the Lord. And here they are. All right, so what does Moses do? Does he take off, empowered and ready to free the Israelites from Egypt? Oh, in verse 11, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Then again in verse 13, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Then in Exodus 4, 1, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? Then in verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant, which is a like really short amount of time. <laughs> Hey, since you started this conversation, I hadn't gotten any better. <laughs> I am slow of speech and tongue. And then finally in verse 13, but Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. All right, Moses is looking at his skill set and looking at his qualifications for what the Lord's called him to do. And eventually he says, I'm just going to bow out. Same thing I do. Then in uh, verse 14, here's the result of it. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Right, and that burning comes pretty quickly. This wasn't years in the making. Moses left the bush and then came back six months later. Said, I don't know, Lord. Moses left again, came back six months later. It's one conversation. Moses goes from hero to zero fast in questioning his qualifications to do what the creator of the universe is assigning him to do. So qualifications really, it comes down to this. They're the things that make you suitable. Right? A qualification is what are your accomplishments? What are your skills? What are the things that make you suitable to do whatever assignment the Lord's given you? Which made me look at, well, what, what is suitable? Because the Lord still clearly, every time Moses said how unqualified he was, the Lord never said, you know what, you're right. I do need to go with somebody else. So what the Lord brought me to, we've been talking about a lot tonight, which is surrender. All right, surrender, we have a definition for it. Surrender is to cease resistance to an enemy or opponent and submit to their authority. And I have a shortened definition that'll be more functional for us. Surrender is agreement plus obedience. And a lot of my life I have surrender because I get the obedience side of it. But what I have a harder time doing is agreeing 
And what the Lord's looking for in Moses is agreement with what he wanted Moses to do. Right? Being fully surrendered is what qualifies me. Surrender is the accomplishment that makes me suitable to do the work of the Lord. But surrender hinges on agreement. Right? I can be obedient to the Lord and not, and not agree with him. Can't do for very long, though, without his anger burning against me. All right, this is a season that I find myself in now. The Lord's calling me to new assignments, new things, different responsibilities. And like Moses, I look at it and go, I don't know, Lord, I can't do that. I look at the people around me and I say, well, they're more qualified than I am. They're farther along than I am. They know more than I do. Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. But I believe we need to be obedient to him. So I'm trying to be obedient to the things that he wants me to do. But when I'm doing so out of disagreement, it's a breeding ground for frustration, for stress, for irritation, for burnout. Because I'm doing all those things on my own power. I mean, what if the burnout I feel is not really burnout, but the Lord's anger burning against me? That's sobering. I think this side of the cross, we don't think of the Lord's anger burning against us, right? That should be sobering too. So then what does surrender do? What does agreement do? plus submission get for me. Let's look at Jesus' baptism, Matthew chapter 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Which things funny, like John's bringing up qualifications. Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. So John's quick to agree. Uh, So baptism, right, symbolizes death, burial, resurrection. For us, we're buried with Christ. And then we raise again to walk in a new life. Uh, Jesus was sinless, so he didn't need baptism as forgiveness of sins. But when Jesus was baptized, this is symbolizing his complete and utter surrender to the will of God. This is, this is him symbolically saying, whatever you want, to the point of death, knowing that I'm going to rise up into a new life. And then something really incredible happens in verse 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting him. Alighting is a really funny word that just means descending and then settling. And then in verse 17, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. These are two really important things that happen after this moment of surrender. When we get the voice of God confirming Jesus' identity, that he is his son with whom he is, in, he is well pleased. Right? We know his identity is that of a king. 
And so from a place of confirmed identity, Jesus can now walk out with the authority of God. The second really important thing that happens is the spirit comes and rests on him. And this is a symbol of power. See, when we're, when we're given an assignment, we're looking for authority and power. We look for authority and power so that we can be confident to step into what God wants us to step into. But what God wants us to do is to trust him enough to actually agree with him, to go the same direction as him, to not swim against the current, to not kick against the goads, but to come into agreement with him and then step into obedience and all of a sudden we'll find all the authority and power we needed. But we put the cart before the horse, right? All the time. I put the cart before the horse. Well, I'm not confident. If you just gave me enough power to boost my confidence, then I can step into what you want me to step into. Right? And you can agree with God and not understand. That's okay. I don't always understand. Agreement is even in a lack of understanding, being able to say, you know what, God, I don't understand this, but I believe that everything you do is good, right, and perfect. And in my lack of understanding, I'm going to trust you enough to know that these plans are actually to prosper me, even if it's a lifetime of exile. And that's the kind of confidence that you need to be able to step into agreement, then into submission, which is just obedience. Right? Surrender is just agreement plus obedience. And then watch the authority and power flow. So as we wrap up tonight, let's just do this. If there's something that the Lord's wanting you to fully surrender to, being a combination of both agreement and obedience, right? Maybe you're great with obeying, uh, with agreeing, but you're slow to move into obedience. Or maybe this has been something that you're trudging through in obedience, but you still have yet to fully agree in your heart with what the Lord's doing. Take some time and give that to him. And we'll just kind of dismiss in a minute, but there'll be people around to pray with you, to pray for you, to pray courage, pray patience, pray peace. I mean, magic things do happen on this side of the tape, but this is something you can do anywhere, right? You can surrender in the car, you can surrender at home. You can surrender at your desk at work. It's a heart posture thing. And it's a posture just between you and God. But I'm telling you, put it to the test. Watch what happens. All right, let me give us a blessing. Father, I bless this family with the ability to not just agree with you, but to be obedient to the things that we are agreeing with. Father, give us patience and courage for the things we don't understand. But to still be in agreement. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed.